listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. And if you're like the rest of the world, your life has drastically changed in the last few weeks, maybe even just in the last week. But we are all realizing that we are in the midst of a crisis that's requiring us to change so many patterns in our life. In my own house, we now have everybody working from home. Both of my kids came back from metropolitan areas to be here, so we're all sharing space, and that changes lots of things for lots of people, Uh, which means in the last week, I've been hearing more and more from people who feel like they're just no longer on track. They were working hard to save their relationship, and suddenly... Everything feels like it's up in the air. In fact, a couple of people, uh, when I checked in with them, said, oh, man, I have completely dropped my work on my relationship. And my response was, wow, this is the time to be focusing in on this for a number of reasons that I want to talk about today. This is the time to stay on track. And the question is, how do you stay on track? Because you, know, you already have a marriage crisis going on, and suddenly you multiply that, not just add on the coronavirus crisis, but you multiply it. It's like an exponential growth, just like the infection grows. And as I've noted for people, you know, it's interesting how we don't take real action until real action is required. And sometimes we stop taking action when it feels like it's not required anymore. And really, that's part of the reason that we as a culture, we as a world are in the place we are. It's not like we didn't see this coming, right? It's not like we didn't see the possibility for a pandemic hitting because that's been talked about for years now. Really, back since the 1980s is the first time I can see a lot of talk about what's coming. What is that that thing, that virus, that that whatever it is, the infection that's going to hit us and cause a problem? There have been movies written about that, TED Talks based on that, people talking about the possibilities of that. And what did we do? Many places, even the funding to look at that got cut. Many places, even the staffing for that got cut. We took our eyes off the ball of the possibility. Now we're feeling it. Now we're aware of the possibilities that can cause these problems because it's on us. It's not unlike what most people realize happened with a marriage crisis. Sure, they saw the possibility of a problem before. Usually, a marriage crisis doesn't really erupt overnight. Sometimes how dangerous it is only becomes evident overnight, or how serious it is only becomes evident in some conversation, but it's not like the crisis wasn't building along the way. And so we have now kind of the confluence for many people of a marriage crisis and the coronavirus crisis. And so for many people, suddenly they're in the middle of a marriage crisis with a spouse that they're going to have to stay really close to. And lots of people are telling me how they're struggling with that. Or For some people, they realize they're suddenly going to have their attempts to connect from more distance because the spouse is already out of the house. And So either way, the question is, how do you stay on track? You know, if somebody is suddenly in your space, how do you stay on track? If somebody is from a distance, how do you stay on track? How do you work that through? Now, what's happening because of that multiplied crisis is that we have actually uh, additional stress. 
and additional concerns and additional fears. And that's part of what uh, kind of boils over here or flow, overflows is probably a better analogy. When we talk about stress, you know, I'm talking to lots of people who feel very anxious and very stressed out, and they forget that stress is just another word we use for fear. And so what's really got us is this fear of the unknown in many times, of fear of not knowing what's coming next, of what the next day's news is. And you probably have felt that. And so many people have gone on what I've been calling the coronavirus buffet of news, right? They're just gorging themselves on news story after news story after news story, report after report after report. Or they're doing a coronavirus fast where they're pretending like nothing is happening and everything is just the same and minimizing what's going on, minimizing what's going on around them. Now, neither one of those is particularly helpful. Both of them are ways that people are dealing with the fear. So just for a moment, imagine that we all have this bucket that we carry around with us all the time. It's our fear bucket. And our fear bucket can take a certain amount before it overflows. Your fear bucket may be smaller than mine. Yours may be larger than mine. You may have more of a capacity for fear or less capacity for fear. Not only that, but what fills your bucket may not fill mine at all. And what fills my bucket may not fill yours at all. We have different sizes, different ways that we can take in that fear. And also what triggers it is different from person to person. And how we deal with that is important to understand because what happens is we can only take on so much. And when it starts overflowing, we shut down. We go into those fear responses that really, I mean, it's not the fight flight response. That's our threat response. But our fear response tends to be freeze or flail. Freeze, we do nothing, right? The freeze is the fast. I'm not going to even pay attention to this. Nothing's happening. It'll go away. It's just like the flu. No big deal. Everybody's overplaying it. And then the flail, I've got to do everything. I've got to, you know, Clorox everything and Clorox my hands. And, you know, I've got to stay away from everyone and eat nothing that might be good for me because now I'm in this mode of, of hiding out. And, and so either one of those are responses to that fear bucket overflowing. It tends not to be real helpful. The same thing happens in a marriage crisis. We freeze or flail. When I watch people, they either freeze or flail. The freeze, spouses, you know, something's got to change. They do nothing. Spouses, we need to talk. They stare at them blankly. You know, everything that's happening, they do nothing because they're frozen in place. Instead of trying to get help for their relationship, they just do nothing. Then there are those who flail. They beg, they plead, they argue, they barter, they do whatever they can to try to get a spouse to stay. And then when that's not working, when a spouse still isn't agreeing to work on the relationship, then they start delving into every course, every book, every article, everything that they can get their hands on. The problem is they're throwing so much at a spouse that it feels more like an assault than an attempt to help. And the same is true with the, the freeze. You know, when you freeze and do nothing, the spouse says, see, this is what I'm talking about. You don't even care enough to take action on this. And the fact is that on both sides of that, the care is so deep, the fear is so deep that when it gets triggered, the person doesn't know how to appropriately move forward. And so suddenly they're off track. So the danger is being th being thrown off track because what happens when we're thrown off track, when our fear bucket is overflowing. One thing that happens is that many people lose energy in the process. You know, maybe you've been making good progress with your spouse. So you feel like things are moving along. Suddenly the crisis, the fear of the coronavirus hits, the crisis of the virus hits. 
And suddenly you're devoting energy to that completely, cutting off the relationship, and you lose energy on that area. You're going with one fire instead of the other that really is going to be the longer term piece. The second thing is that many people focus on the scary stuff rather than important stuff. That's particularly true with the virus because it's, you know, the invisible. And so lots of people aren't sure what to do with interactions and what to do with cleaning and what to do with, you know, do you, do you go to the store? Do you not go to the store? Do you take the delivery food? Do you wipe off your mail? I mean, so many questions that keep popping up for people. That's the scary stuff. When really, at its essence, what we need to do is keep a safe distance from people around us, wash our hands with soap and water, and when we don't have that, you know, to use the sanitizer, but basically soap and water, make sure that when we're coming in from the outside, we're taking care of, you know, leaving our clothes at the door and our shoes at the door and things like that. I mean, basic stuff that really, once you've got those in place, are done. But the scary stuff leads people to look for more and more and more things to ask and look for, rather than the important things. This is where it's important to have a clear outlook on how you deal with each of those crises, what you're going to do to keep you and your family safe, as safe as you can be from a virus. And let's be clear here. Life has no guarantees. You know, that's one of the things that is a very clear message from this. There is no guarantee on anything. Getting sick, not getting sick, really no guarantee. You can do your best. And that's always kind of what I do is I always add that disclaimer. Yeah, I'm not planning on that, but there are some things I can't control. Being exposed to somebody that I didn't know had it, I can't control that. So I can only do what I can. The same with a relationship. I can't control what a spouse does, but I can control my actions, my choices. And I'll continue to do that because I'm looking at what's important, not what's scary. When we're taking action based on what's scaring us at the moment, it's likely to be pulling us out of that fear response, freeze or flail. You know, we're looking for all the things we might be able to do instead of the few things that we know make a difference. The same with the relationship. We try to do everything rather than focusing on the few things that we know make a difference. I can tell you the three. Connection, changing yourself, creating a new path. Those are the three things we focus on. That's it. Now, there's some pieces under that, but once you have, you understand that, you can begin to look for where you're going to do those things, to take action on those things to stay on track. And that's really what we need to do, be doing at these points. Oftentimes we look at the threat and we're always responding to that threat. So here are a couple of threats that fit into our fear responses. One is to, to allow for too much time and for too little connection. That's a big threat in this process to let more time pass to know somewhere within you that something has to happen, but to allow more time to pass. Miss the opportunities of connection, which, by the way, you may have more opportunities for connection in these moments, in these days, because of the kind of the overwhelming peace. Then the other threat to you is that overwhelm, the dark overwhelm. It's where your energy is just getting sucked. It feels like it's going into a black hole because there's so much. And you got to step back and realize there is no black hole. And that you need to keep your eyes on just those simple things. So to be clear about the ways you need to protect you and your family from the virus, that's very important. To be very clear about what you need to do to work towards a better relationship, that's very important. Those two pieces. 
To find a balance point between them instead of allowing one to overwhelm you will allow you to stay on track. Which brings me to your to-do list. This is how you'll do the stay on track. Number one is make sure that you have that plan written down. And, and let's just say in this case, you might have two plans written down. One for staying safe from the virus and two is how you're going to save your relationship. They're both important lists. But make sure that you are clear about what needs to go into each. You need a plan. I talk with people all the time about their save the marriage plan. In fact, with my coaching clients and with members of my VIP program, I actually have a fill-in-the-blank plan. It walks you right through creating the plan. But without that, you still need to build out a plan so you can follow it. Because here's what happens without a plan. You start flailing or you freeze. But if you know what you're going to do, if you can look at that plan and say, okay, I've got my marching orders for the day. This is what I'm doing. This is how I've laid it out. This is what my daily piece is. This is what my weekly piece is. Now, how do I carry that out? That's a whole lot easier than going, oh, I don't know what to do today. What did I do this week? What's, what's the plan this week? To have a plan changes the whole process in ways that most people underestimate. You have a reference point. Whenever you lose a reference point, where are you starting from? from? What, what is your reference, right? If you have no reference point that you've established, how do you have a reference point of where you are and what you're doing now? That plan allows that. Now, if you're saying, I'm not a planner, let me just tell you, I'm not a planner either, but I recognize how important that is. And so I make plans. I use lists. I don't like to. I choose to because that keeps me on track. <laughs> So no excuse whether you're a planner or a non-planner. You need a plan that you will carry out. Remember, sometimes planners like to create plans. They just never execute on them. And so if you're a person who just loves to make plans, remember the next step is execution of those plans. So first thing, have a plan. Make sure that you have that. The second thing is very important in these days, and that is to have patience and grace with others and yourself, particularly with your spouse and yourself. So far, I haven't met anybody that thinks that they are operating at their optimal in this crisis. A lot of people think they're doing fine, that you know they're, they're managing it just fine, but not optimal. Lots of families are experiencing friction points that they didn't have before because there's no release valve. <laughs> You're stuck in the house together. And you know, in our house, we have four people who are all trying to work at the same time in a house that before had me working here. So we have to you know, juggle that around and give each other some patience and some grace. And sometimes it's helpful to just say, hey, you know, give me a little grace here. I'm doing the best I can with this. And then turn around and return the grace to say, I understand that you don't even have to speak it out loud, but to think to yourself, everybody's doing the best they can. Everybody is doing the best they can, given the situation at hand. Can they do better? Sure. With more information, all of us can do better. With the change in circumstances, all of us can do better. But right now, we're at a crisis point. For you, you're at multiple crisis points. You already had the marriage crisis. Now you've got the coronavirus crisis. And those can combine in scary ways, unless 
you say, okay, I've got my plan on dealing with that, and I'm going to allow some grace for people to not be at their best, for me to not be at my best. So I'm going to be more patient with myself, and by golly, I'm going to be more patient with people around me. Sometimes I'm going to grit my teeth and not say something because I recognize it's coming from their own place of struggle and difficulty. The third thing is to refuse to absorb the anxiety. I don't know if you're aware of how contagious emotions are, but there was a book not long ago that talked about the emotional contagion, that we have these, these, part, these cells in our brain called mirror neurons that try to help us understand where somebody is and also for us to sync up with them. Now, the interesting thing is those mirror neurons tend to connect up with the negative emotional states much faster than positive emotional states. Makes sense. It kept our ancestors alive. It didn't help a survival mechanism to catch their happiness or any you know, satisfaction in life or anything else. But if we caught their fear and anxiety, maybe they were having fear and anxiety because there was a threat and we might as well be on threat mode too. So it makes sense that it's contagious. We just have to choose whether we're going to catch that. It's kind of like a virus there too, right? We got to make sure that we're inoculating ourselves from other people's anxiety. If they're anxious, let them be anxious. Don't catch it yourself. Notice where that comes from, too. Number one, it comes from culture right now. You know, every uh, news station that's reporting and, and all of the prints and everything else, you know, what's coming from that? A lot of anxiety on, on either side, whatever they're focusing on. It's, there's a lot of anxiety that's coming out. And if you're watching that and absorbing that and reading all the stories, you can catch it. Also with friends, right? There are a lot of people who are panicking for lots of different reasons, some legitimate and some not so legitimate, some overblown. And we've got to be aware of that, that they, their own anxiety is their anxiety. The same thing with a spouse or family members. Their anxiety is their anxiety. You don't want to discount it, but nor do you have to catch it. You can find a place to allow their anxiety to be theirs and to find your own place of, of being able to deal with it. And one of the things I'm using very often now is just asking the question, is this something I can control? Whatever it is coming at me, is this something I can control? Because if it's not, I'm going to let it go. And I have lots of other podcasts. You can go to thriveologypodcast.com. Do a search for what you can control. You can also do the same at savethemarriagepodcast.com. Do a search for control. And you're going to find a lot of me talking about what you can control. But if I break it down very quickly, your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions is all that's within your control, nothing else. So I'm asking that question, is this within my control? If not, I'm going to let it go. If it is, then I need to act into that. I need to step in that direction. So refuse to absorb others' anxiety. Let their anxiety be theirs. And seek to control what you can control, which brings us to number four. If you've got kids and they're of the age, Frozen is something that's probably popular at your house. And more recently, Frozen 2. Over Thanksgiving, uh, my whole family, including some kids that were more of the age of that, we all went to see Frozen 2. And you know, I went to tag along. I, I will admit, when I first went to Frozen, um, I had low expectations that I would care for it. And it turned out I really thought it was good. Well, Ends up, I was feeling the same thing about Frozen 2, mainly because I was going, oh, you know, it's the follow-up. So as many follow-ups are, they're not as good. And then I was impressed with it. 
but I was particularly impressed with one song as Kristen Bell was singing in that. And, and she got this idea from uh, another author uh, who writes about this, but it's about doing the next right thing. And I really think that that is fundamentally a question that we can always ask. What is my next right thing? Whenever we're about to take action, is this the next right thing? Not is this the next thing. It's not, not is this the next thing that's triggering me, but is the, this the next right thing that I need to do? What a great way, a motto of staying on course. It's not doing something because we're reacting. It's not doing something because we're angry. It's not doing something because somebody is spouting off or somebody is upset or having a bad day, but we're doing the next right thing. So use that as your trigger point. Is this the next right thing? Is this thing I'm about to say, about to do, about to not say, about to not do, is that my next right thing or do I need to choose differently? Remember, if you have that plan, the plan is guiding you on what the right things are because you created a plan based on the right actions. Those right actions are likely to be tied into being patient and having grace for yourself and for your spouse and others. And part of that is probably to not allow yourself to be pulled down, to absorb that anxiety and fear, which means that your next thing is the next right thing. If you're struggling with how to build that, of understanding how to move forward in your relationship and how to move forward in this middle of this crisis, please check out my system, savethemarriage.com. We'll get you there, savethemarriage.com. We'll tell you right now, if you do that, I also am offering a free week of my VIP program that I told you about where that fill-in-the-blank plan is and lots of other resources and lots of other training and coaching and all kinds of good stuff. I give you a free week of that. All you have to do is, when I offer it, accept it. Just say, yes, I'll, I'll do that. So savethemarriage.com. Then when I offer that free week of my VIP program, just say yes. Just accept it. I'm not going to sneak you in. It's something you have to sign up for. I never force somebody to be in my program. I invite you to be in. I would love you to be a part of that and give it a try and see if it fits for you. At the same time, we're going to throw in a get started session with one of my coaches. Again, you don't have to do it. It's a free offer though. I mean, no obligation. We're just doing it to make sure you're getting started well. It's about a 15 to 20 minute session just to make sure that things are rolling for you. And you can sign up for that on the download page when you get the system. So all of that is a part of the very low investment that you make in the system that could transform your life, transform your relationship, and get you back on track. In the middle of this crisis, what it's really pointing out is how important it is for us to have those relationships around us that matter. Your marriage matters. So let's keep you on track as you continue to work to save your marriage listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.